this and let's worship together.
my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. you to do. I want you to take a moment, welcome those around you, and I want you to tell them God is good. So go. All right, you may return to your seats and you may be seated. <coughs> All right, well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. If this is your first time with us, we are delighted to have you. Uh, we would appreciate if you would let us know that. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, there's a connection card out there in the foyer you could fill out, or there's a QR code that you can scan uh, and just a few uh, short questions online um, just so that we can know that you're here. Uh, also, if there's any way that we can be praying for you, uh, whether you are a member or not a member, first-time visitor, please let us know because we want to be faithful to lift you up in uh, prayer. I want to encourage you to take a look at the bulletin, several announcements. we got an announcement about Kids Camp, Century Kid. Uh, you need to see Miss Carol Stewart if you are interested in going to that. Uh, Snowbird, we have four spots left for Snowbird. So you need to see me or Brian. Um, if you have not signed up yet or if you have a friend that wants to go uh, to Snowbird, we have uh, dates for VBS, so you can put those on the calendar. And then also, we haven't uh, announced this in a while, but right now media is an incredible resource that is free to you. Um, well, I guess it comes out of our budget and you give to the 
to the budget, so maybe it's not really free to you, but you don't have to pay anything on a monthly basis. Um, it's, it's an incredible resource. All you have to do is scan that QR code, um, and then you just sign up that way. Give them an email address, and then you can log in and use all of those incredible resources. Uh, they're available uh, to you. All right, so this time Mark Runyon is going to come, and he's going to share a little bit about their recent trip um, to Ecuador. This is the second vision trip that they have been on, so he has some stuff he's going to share about that. I just want to say thank you for praying for us as uh, we went, and we had a good full week there. Uh, it was great um, to connect with uh, Johnny and Donna Most and kind of further that partnership and solidify that partnership we have with them and look for new opportunities. Uh, we had a good week of sharing the gospel and a good week of just getting to know the area. And I uh, just wanted to share one highlight with you guys um, I think there's some pictures coming up here just briefly. So uh, our kids this past summer, uh, in their VBS missions offering, they gave to this project for a projector. And so we were able to purchase this uh, projector and take it down there to the mosque and give it to them so they can show um, movies or videos or Christian films or uh, present the gospel uh, with the projector. So. Um, it was, you'll see from the pictures, first I'll explain who this, well, the guy, the guy was, um, you know, I told you, we went to a place called Eladin, and I introduced you to their mayor or president a couple of weeks ago. Well, they have a new one, and his name is Angel, and that's him in the, the mariachi outfit. Um, they told us he was, when we got there, it was getting really dark, and it was about time to show the movie, and they told us he was out singing, and I didn't really know what that meant, but then he pulled up on the back of a motorcycle in this mariachi outfit, and so I guess, I guess he was out singing some mariachi. So um, anyway, so that, I wasn't expecting that. So that was neat to meet him. His name is Angel, it's like angel, um, but he is not a believer, so if you guys would pray for him, the gospel was shared with Angel this week, and it'd be great to see him come to know the Lord, especially since he's the leader of that community. So uh, back to the projector. Um, so it was two bags. So we bought. We were able because of the generosity of our kids for VBS. We were able to to kind of get the upgraded projector. We, the big bag has a couple of speakers and a microphone and actually a solar powered battery, which um, is pretty important because a lot of places there are not electricity. And so the pictures may be a little dark, and that's because the school we were showing it in there's no electricity. But we were still able to show this film because we had all this battery stuff. So that was good. So let's just go through the pictures. It's just a couple of pictures. So yeah, that's just the setup. We can just go right through them. And so it's got, you know, but it's a good clear picture. There's people sitting back behind this, but it is dark. That's just us showing the movie. So that's the opportunity they have. They can take it to places like this. They can take it out up the river where there is absolutely no electricity, but there's villages. And uh, so they are gonna be able to use this to share the gospel. They are actually filming uh, refilming a, a film called The Hope, La Esperanza, but they're going to do it with Afro-Ecuadorians. They're going to do it in their own context and their culture, and so the people there can understand it. And we're, they're really excited about that, and they're going to show, use this projector to show that. And so thanks for praying. There's a lot we did last week. Um, I can tell you about it some other time. Um, but I want to leave you. We did get to go to church service a couple of times, and they do church a little different than we do. They do it outside, and 
we, we got to sing with the kiddos, and you'll probably recognize the song on this video, but here we go. prayer. Father, we thank you for the hope of the gospel, that the good news of the gospel transcends culture and language and, Lord, any other barriers that we might put up. It is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for technology, Lord, a gift uh, from you, Lord, that we can take things like a projector, solar powered speakers and lord they can take it into some of these villages and lord to be able to, to share the gospel in their own language father in a way that people can resonate with and would be engaged in thank you for our kids uh, and adults lord who so faithfully participated by giving uh, through vacation bible school uh, last summer father we continue to pray for the most johnny and donna we continue to pray uh, lord for others that are working with them Lord, as they're seeking to plant churches, Father, we pray for the Afro-Ecuadorians. Father, we pray for neighboring, partnering churches, Lord, who feel called by you to go to this specific area in Ecuador to share the gospel. And Lord, as we continue to move forward with this, and as we, Lord, in the future begin to send teams from our own church, Father, we pray uh, that we would make disciples, that lost people would come to know Jesus, and Lord, that they would grow in their faith for your glory and your honor, and for building up not only the church, but the very kingdom of God. You are good. You are great. You are worthy of our praise. So, Father, we want to continue to offer up that praise to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand, let's continue to worship together.
Amen. Amen. What it go, choir? Miss Gina? We went to church. That was good. I like that. All right, the choir is going to make their way down. We have Children's Church this morning, but it is the last Sunday of the month, so it's only for our younger kiddos. So if you're kindergarten through second grade, you're staying in here. Everybody under kindergarten, you're going to make your way out to Children's Church. Those of you who are remaining, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, as we continue to work through this book at a snail's pace, I promise we're going to pick up the pace eventually, Um, but not today, Uh, not today. So as we continue to think about Ephesians chapter 4, specifically verses 1 through 16, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago as we think about the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right, writing through Paul, and as he progresses, he starts with unity, that the church, the body of Christ, is to be united. We are one. We are to be eager to maintain that unity. There should not be division, right, because of us. And then he transitions going from unity to talking about diversity. And we talked this past Wednesday night about there is a difference between unity and uniformity. What God is interested in is not making us all exactly the same, but we're diverse, different backgrounds, different cultures, and that means we have different gifts. So each of you has been gifted by the Spirit of God with a spiritual gift, and that gift is different from the person maybe next to you, in front of, or behind you. We talked last week how he has given leadership to the church, but even in that leadership, right, it can be diverse. And then from that diversity, and we're going to get into this next week, he then transitions into maturity. How we as followers of Christ are to grow We are to mature. For example, you look ahead to verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Have you ever said to somebody, hey, you just need to grow up? We are to grow up. We are to mature. Paul begins to make that transition here in verse 12. He begins to make that transition in verse 12 where he talks about for building up the body of Christ. And So this morning, I want to ask three questions. Answer three questions. Question number one, and then we'll read these two verses. What is the role of elders or pastors? Right, so we talked last week about how we believe, I, in studying Scripture, this isn't my opinion, I believe the New Testament teaches, the New Testament model is a plurality of elders. Again, elder, pastor, overseer, different words referring to the same office. So a lot of, a lot of the students call me PA, Now, apparently, they want to call me OA for Overseer Aaron. Just doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, uh, But same word, right? So God provides these leaders. What are they to do? Well, we see that in verse 12. And then we're going to break that down. Second question is, what is the role of the saints? What is the role of those who have given their life to Jesus, who belong to the church? And then the third thing we're going to do, we'll spend a couple minutes on, and it's really important, is we're going to talk about why church membership is necessary. Why we have such a thing as church membership and why that's important. So if you have your copy of God's Word, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's inerrant, inspired, authoritative, sufficient Word of God. Beginning in verse 11, reading through verse 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You may be seated. So what is, 
Last week we talked about what an elder is, that, what, what that means, right? A plurality of them. What is their role? Well, Paul answers that in verse 12. Why did God give these offices to the church, these, these leaders to the church? Verse 12, to equip the saints. To equip the saints describes the role of elders and pastors. The word equip means making something fully ready. Perfectly equipping someone. Fully preparing someone. Pastors are given by God to equip the people of God. To train the people of God. To give the people of God tools, the equipment, and the skills so that you, a saint, a follower of Jesus Christ, can do the work of ministry. So pastors and elders are to equip the people. Now, how do elders do that? Well, when you study the New Testament, there's a lot of things the New Testament teaches, but I think you can boil them down into four things that elders, pastors primarily do. So when you say, hey, what is my pastor? What are elders, leaders in the church, what are they to do? Number one is they are to teach. Elders, pastors, are to teach. So I hope you have a copy of God's Word because we're going to be looking at, at a lot of Scripture again this morning. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. In 1 Timothy, this is the qualification of overseer, elder, pastor. The saying is trustworthy. Verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, all of those dealing with the character of the man. But then it says this, elder, overseer, pastor must be able to teach. Only one qualification in 1 Timothy and in Titus deals with a specific function of an elder. The rest is character. The function, primary function of an elder pastor is they must be able to teach. Now, some elders, pastors may have the gift of teaching and preaching. Some will be better at teaching than others, but all pastors and elders must be able to teach. That could be teaching, preaching from the pulpit, teaching at a small group, a Sunday school class, a Bible study, but they must have the, the, the ability, they must be willing to teach. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So elders are to rule, and there are going to be some who are especially focused, gifted on teaching and preaching. Go over to Titus. We see, again, the qualifications for elders, overseers, pastors in Titus. Look at verse 9. Elders, right, are giving instruction. They're teaching. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. An elder must hold firm to the word so that he may be able to give instruction. Right? So two aspects when we think of teaching. One is instruction. Pastors are to instruct the people of God the word of God. But then elders also do a second thing when it comes to teaching, and that is they guard. Pastors and elders guard the flock. So if you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 20. Let me remind you of the context in Acts chapter 20. Paul calls the elders from Ephesus to him, and he is speaking to them. These are some final words that he's going to give to them. He's about to leave them, 
And in verse 28 of Acts chapter 20, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with those own blood. Now listen to this. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul says, I'm leaving, and when I leave, I know what's going to happen. They're going to be false teachers. They're going to be wolves claiming to be sheep, and they're going to come in, and they're going to teach a false doctrine, and they're going to seek to divide you. And so Paul's saying to these elders, you are to guard and protect your flock from false teaching and doctrine. In the book of Jude, verse 18, we read this. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So part of what your pastor elders must do is to protect you, teaching you what is right doctrine according to the Word of God, and warning you of that which is false. So that is a critical part of what pastors and elders do. They teach. Secondly, they lead. Pastors, elders, provide direction. One way they equip you is by providing direction. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. We looked at these verses last week. It says this, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Again, exercising oversight, that's the verb form. The noun form is overseer. They are to oversee, exercise oversight, not under compuls compulsion, Right? They're not to manipulate, but rather willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So they exercise oversight. Um, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So pastors, elders provide direction to a flock of God, to a congregation. So hear me, right? We aren't overlords, right? That's, I'm not overlord Aaron. I'm an overseer. I'm not to lord over you. I'm just to oversee, guide the church, the flock of God, leading the people of God. Now the church is to be led by shepherds. The church of God is not led by doctors, it's not led by politicians, it's not led by businessmen. Now, side note, I believe in a plurality of elders, some of those elders are going to be full-time in the ministry, this is what they do, this is what they're paid to do. And I believe in a healthy government structure, there's also going to be elders who are lay elders, meaning they may be doctors who are an elder of a church. They might be a teacher who happens to be an elder in a church, but they don't govern as a doctor or a politician. They are shepherds. Elders are to shepherd the flock of God. Direction. But there's another part of this that makes us uncomfortable, and that is discipline. Pastors and elders provide discipline. We are called to train, admonish, encourage, correct, and at times, this may include removing someone from membership. This is called church discipline. You can read of it in Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Right? There's a process of, of church discipline. Now, here's my honest opinion. If a situation is made aware to me 
and uh, of someone living in sin, unrepentant sin, and discipline needs to be done, and we go through that process, and eventually, as Matthew 18 says, it comes before the church. This is just my opinion. I think it better that it come from a plurality of elders who have prayed and wept, and four, three, five of us say, we come to you as one saying this person is unrepentant than one person coming to you and saying this person is unrepentant. Because there's always the possibility as a pastor in the flesh that I could just be out to get somebody or they could have hurt me. But if it comes from a plurality of men seeking the face of God together, seeking to bring about repentance, when that discipline comes, and unfortunately it does, the church I think is more receptive to receive it when they know it's coming from a group of men who have sought the Lord in that. So we, we teach, we lead. Third, elders, pastors, model. We model, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Pastors and elders lead by example. The qualifications for elder focus predominantly on their character. Now this is interesting. When you study the qualifications for an elder... They are all things, if you think about it, that should be true in your life as a believer. There's nothing there that should not be true as you as a follower of Christ. Right? Shepherding, loving your family, being above reproach. Right? Uh, you think about these. It's true of all of us. So elders, pastors must be men of character who lead by example. I remember the first church that I interviewed, um, they asked me the question, and I was 24, 25 years old. Is there anything, if we call you as a pastor, that you think, as a pastor, this is above me, and I shouldn't have to do that? Not a thing. You need me to paint, I'll paint. You need me to sweep, I'll sweep. You need me to lock these doors, I'll lock these doors. In fact, I check these doors every Wednesday and Sunday. You know why? Because I was a single pastor for 13 years, and it's just a habit. I was the one that locked up. Like, there's nothing as a pastor that I should not be willing to do to serve because I'm to be setting an example in that. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. I am to keep a close watch on myself. Again, you just want my opinion? This is why I think a plurality of elders is the most healthy thing in a church. Because when you have three, four, five men, some of them paid, some of them lay, just they feel called by God, set apart by God to do this, within that room, there are men holding me accountable. And there are other men holding them accountable. And you want me to be held accountable. You want me to guard the holiness. You want me to guard the godliness, right? Co-laborers, shepherding, shepherding the flock of God, holding one another accountable. And then the fourth thing is to pray. Pastors, elders should strive to be men of prayer, right? Acts chapter 6, verse 4. You, you, you should know the story or remember the story, right? There were some needs of people, the widows being overlooked. And so deacons, right, men are set apart to serve. And, and what did the apostles say? We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, does that mean they were never going to serve these widows again? No. They just meant our focus must be the spiritual, the prayer and the ministry of the word. And then God has given us deacons who come alongside the elders, pastors, who help us make sure the needs, physical and otherwise, are met. So I, I mentioned a book last week that, that talks about elders. And 
Um, I had this quote written down last week, but I didn't share it. So I'm going to share it this week. As you think about what is the role of elders, it's by Newton and Schmucker. They write this. To be a pastor is to bear weight. You bear the weight of faithfully preaching God's word to God's people. You bear the weight of sheep who sin. You bear the weight of those sheep who mourn. Praise God, he designed all that weight to be borne by many and not by one. Ask a pastor who is surrounded, supported, and held up by godly elders, and he will tell you that making the change is worth it. I love Northside with all of my heart. I want the absolute best for the body of Christ here. And I am 110% convinced. The best for Northside is a plurality of elders who we lead together because they're called by God, set apart by God, and we hold a high standard of the qualifications of Timothy and Titus. And together we lead the congregation. We don't overlord, we don't overrule, we don't make all the decisions, but together we lead where God is calling us to go, and we do this as a congregation. So that's my heart. The plurality of elders, what does an elder do now? Let's talk about you for a moment, all right? Number two, what is the role of the saints? What is the role of the saints? Well, this is what he says. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, right? Verse 12, to equip the saints, what? For the work of ministry. What is the role of saints? It is the work of ministry. The word for work here describes an ongoing activity. It's used in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. To do the work of ministry. The Greek word for ministry means to render assistance or to help by performing certain duties, often of a humble or menial nature. It simply means to serve. It means to help pastors, elders, equip the saints. You think, well, that's, I'm not a saint, so whoo, I'm out of that. That's like a higher class of Christians. I'm not there. I'm down here. Listen, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you are a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus, whatever language you want to use, you say, I'm a Christian, then you are a saint. That's clear from the New Testament. And you are to do the work of ministry. And pastors, elders are to equip you to do the work. Again, it doesn't mean, whoa, we don't got to do the work. All we got to do is equip you to do the work. No, it means we're going to come alongside of you, but you are equipped to do the work. So let me make three observations based upon this. Number one, pastors, elders are to equip the people. We are to be about the people of God. What I have seen in my time in churches, and you have seen this too, is sometimes we become program-driven rather than people-driven. We create a program, and we have success, and we're thinking, man, it's bringing people, and so we become, like, we got to keep the program going, but in the process of bringing people into the program, we neglect the people because we're focused on the program. We are to be about people. Programs might be a means to bring people, but we are to be about people, which means this. In the church of God, there are no sacred cows. Unless it's the word of God, there's no sacred cows. There should be, and unfortunately we've seen it, well, we have done this ministry from the beginning. 
Okay, but is this program helping us reach people? If it's not, then what do we keep doing it for? Or we think, well, we've always done it this way. All right, is it working? Like, are we reaching people? Or are we just doing a program because it's a program? We're, I'm not to be about equipping programs. We are to be about people. And even in the ministries that we do, people are to be at the center of that. So pastors equip the people. Second observation is this. We are not after participation, but rather we are after ministry. Look, you're here. Praise God for that. You're participating. I hope you participated. I hope you came to Sunday school and you participated. I hope as we worshiped, you participated. I hope right now the copy of God's word is open in your lap. You're participating. You're actively listening. But I don't just want you to show up and participate. I am to equip you to do the work of ministry. Some of you are watching online and there's a reason you're there. But at some point, you've got to come back and participate and do ministry with us. We are called, you are called to do the work of ministry. Some of you are just participants. I want you more engaged. I want you serving. I want you actively ministering. Because this is what the New Testament says. So are you serving? Are you ministering? And the third observation is this. Ministry describes the work of the laity. Talked about this briefly Wednesday night, that in the church we have developed this false dichotomy between the clergy, that'd be me, the pastor, the overseer, whatever you want to call me, the paid people, and then the lay people who are just volunteers. You're not getting paid to be here. You're not getting paid to serve. You, this is just, you come and you're, you're involved and you, you're here. Right? We've developed this, this distinction where some people just think, oh, that's the pastor's job. He'll do it. I've heard people say, pastors, my kids are asking questions about Jesus. You're the pastor. Will you tell them about Jesus? I'd love to. You're the mom and dad. You tell them about Jesus first. Pastor, I got a friend who needs to, needs to be encouraged to come to church. Awesome. Give me their number. But if you personally invited them and encouraged them, and right, the work of the ministry ultimately falls on the people of God. So John Stott writes this, Ministry is not the prerogative of a clerical elite, but the privileged calling of all the people of God. Do you see your ministry as a privileged calling? So tonight, right, you're going to come, you're going to serve in Awana. Some of you were out here yesterday in the freezing cold. Was it a privileged calling to be out there in the freezing cold? I mean, I, I kind of had to check my heart. Like, I don't know if I really want to be here, right? It's freezing. But do you see how you're serving, whether it's singing or right, just ushering or greeting people, whatever, do you see it as this is a privileged calling of God that I can serve the people of God? Tony Merida writes, every member should grow up and use a towel not wear a bib. They should not be immature consumers, but eager servants. We're going to talk next week. Look, some, let's just be honest, some believers need to grow up. We still got a bib expecting everybody to serve us. We're consumers. It's time we grow up, we take the towel, and we begin to do the ministry, the work of ministry, serving other people. You see, to equip describes the role of pastors and elders. For the work of ministry describes the role of the church, the congregation. We are all servants, all ministers for the glory of God, and we are to equip you to do that. Why? This is the ultimate reason for building up the body of Christ. 
Now, this idea of building up, this, this goes even back to the Old Testament. Right, So pastors, elders, the congregation, the people of God, we work together so the body of Christ might be built up. You think about Jeremiah 24, verse 6. The people of God are in exile, and God is making this promise to them. He says, I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. So after the exile, God is promising to build his people up to restore them. Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. Ephesians 4, 12, for building up the body of Christ. We equip and we serve to lift up and build up the body of Christ to the glory of God. And the New Testament would say it is all of our responsibilities to make sure that the body of Christ is growing and is as healthy as she can be. Which leads us to the last thing that I want to discuss, because this is really, really important, especially in 2022, and that is the importance of church membership, of an elder pastor and a congregation working together. So there's two scriptures I want to look at, and I want us to really think about this. So hang with me for just a few more minutes. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to go back to these verses that we've already looked at several times. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. This is what God is saying to elders, pastors, overseers. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Using shepherd language. Now, you and I know a shepherd will know who his sheep are. Right? He's just not out there randomly roaming around like, okay, who are my sheep? He knows I'm responsible for these sheep. Paul says the pastor's elders are to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So here's what we have to do. We have to define who the flock of God is. Who am I, as a pastor, responsible for shepherding? Is it the entire world? Is it all of noon in Georgia? Right? Paul, Peter says... Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So we have to define the flock. Who am I responsible for leading, for serving, for, for teaching? Now go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. And hear the words of the author of Hebrews. This is, this is the word of God. Let me just remind you of that. When we read this, is God's word to us. Obey your leaders and submit to them. We'll come back to that. For they, your leaders, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now, go back to verse 7 in, in Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. So those who are teaching you, preaching to you, speaking the word of God to you. Now you go to verse 17. Obey them, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now listen to this. As those who who will have to give an account. So here's the deal. Scripture tells me that I'm going to stand before God one day as a pastor, as an elder, and I'm going to give an account for people's souls. And we've got to define this. Who am I going to give an account for? Am I going to stand before God? Am I accountable for all seven point something billion people who were alive on planet Earth? If so, that is overwhelming and I'm going to turn in my resignation right now. Is, is that who I'm responsible? I don't, I, don't I don't want to be responsible for seven point some billion people. 
Am I responsible for every soul? In New- Am I going to answer for every person who lives in Noonan, Georgia? We, we don't have a building big enough for all of those people to come where I can teach and preach them. So we have to define, who am I going to be responsible for? But now, let's go back. Beginning of verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, speaking of you. You are to obey your leader and you are to submit to them. So who are you to submit to? Who are you to obey? If you go home and you turn on the television and you hear some guy preaching and he says something, are you automatically required, according to Hebrews, to submit to him because he's teaching you? No. What if he preaches you something contrary? What if he preaches something false gospel? You can't say, well, he's a, he's a teacher, a preacher. I got to obey him. I got to submit to him. That's what Hebrews 13 says. That's not what it's talking about. If you go during winter break, you go on vacation, and you go visit a church with your family, and the preacher says something to you, and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't right. Are you, do you have to submit to him? Do you have to obey to him because you sat under his teaching and his preaching? Now, look, if he's right and biblical, then yes. I, I, but if, he's, if it's contrary, is that what Hebrews 13 is saying? And I would say no, and this is why church membership is so important. Because we have to define the flock and who's responsible for the flock. we got to know. So church membership does two things. Number one, it identifies you as a disciple of Jesus. Who do we as a church know belongs to Jesus? We know you belong to Jesus because you have publicly come forward at Northside and said, I belong to Jesus. Jesus has saved me. He's Lord and Savior of my life. I'm publicly declaring that. Some of you declared that through baptism. Some of you were baptized elsewhere and you came to Northside and you joined with us. And so now we know, okay, Miss Ryan, she is a, a believer in Christ. She's identified publicly, right? Kevin has publicly identified with Christ. We know that. We have seen that. So that's one important element of church membership. Who belongs to Jesus and who doesn't? Church membership helps us because if you come to me and say, hey, I want to be a member, it's our job, my job, an elder's job to make sure you actually know Jesus, that you know the gospel, that you've given your life to Jesus. We don't just say, okay, we'll take your word for it. No, we want to know, do you really know Jesus? But here's the second thing. Church membership gathers us so we can commit ourselves to one another. Our our culture today doesn't like commitment. When you become a church member, you're committing yourself. I identify and belong with this body. I'm going to submit to the leadership of Northside Baptist Church. And my pastor in Northside is now going to be responsible for me. The leadership is responsible for me. They're going to equip me. And we're doing this together. It identifies us. So hear my heart. You are welcome to attend Northside as much as you want. You don't have to be a member to attend here. You don't have to be a member to come to a Sunday school class. You can attend. You can watch us online every week. But hear me. I believe if you are not a member, then ultimately I am not responsible for you. Now, I want want you to know Christ. I'm going to preach the gospel faithfully. You're going to hear the gospel. I'm going to challenge you, and I pray the Spirit of God will convict you. But you're, you're just coming, and you're attending And I'm called to shepherd the flock. I'm called to shepherd the sheep that I know belong to him. But when you become a member, understand, we're going to equip you so that you do the work of ministry. 
and that you would understand it's a privileged calling. So I have three questions for you as we close. Number one, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you ever identified, even privately in your own heart, Jesus, you have saved me. I'm a sinner. I'm repenting of my sins. I have no hope apart from you. God, you knew I was a sinner, rebelled against you, going to hell. You sent the person, Jesus Christ. He took on flesh, lived a sinless life, died upon the cross, was raised from the dead. He is my Savior. His blood was shed for me. Only he can make me right with you. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And then you understand, and then you sent the person of the Holy Spirit, not a force, not an it, but the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells each and every one of us as believers of Jesus Christ, that you know Jesus and you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Second question, as a follower of Jesus Christ, have you publicly identified yourself and committed yourself to a local church body? And if you attend Northside, then then why not? If you're not a member, if you've never publicly said, I want to be here, I want to belong here, I'm all in, why? What's keeping you back? What's holding you back? Man, come see me this week. Call me and say, hey, it's time. Man, I I want to be all in. I want to know that I belong to this body, that we're together in this. And the third question is this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, are you building up the body of Christ by doing the work of ministry. How are you serving? Where are you serving? Are you being equipped to serve? Are you in a Sunday school class? Are you in a small group? Or are you sitting under faithfully the teaching and the preaching of God's word? And then are you not just participating, but ministering? Have you taken off that bib and picked up a towel and said, these are my people, I'm responsible for these people, the flock of God, and I want to see them grow in their maturity in Christ, and I'm going to serve them any way that I can to help them grow up in their faith in Jesus Christ. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Brothers and sisters, I I hope you fully understand and realize how blessed we are to call Northside Baptist Church our home, our family, and the people of God uh, in this place. And what a privilege it is to serve them and to love on them and to come alongside them. Are we perfect? No. Is your pastor perfect? No. But, man, just, just to love on each other. Man, are you committed to doing the work of ministry right now? Man, would you just pray, Spirit of God, how am I serving? Where can I serve? Would you just impress that upon my heart? I want want to take up that towel and serve the body of Christ. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? If you don't right now, would you just say, Lord Jesus, save me. Save me from my sins. Save me from hell. Save me from myself. I understand that I've sinned against you, rebelled against you, and I am in need of forgiveness that only you can offer. Will you just confess your sins to him? And this morning, if, if, if you're here, and you have never publicly identified yourself with this body, listen, I want you to know that that we love you and we are thrilled to have you here, but we want you to belong. We want want you to to go from dating the church to marrying the church, to saying, I'm all in. This is where I am, and and we're going to serve and we're going to be served. Father, Lord, I pray that this morning's message was instructional, helpful, but I pray it was challenging as well. As we look around and we see so many churches that are unhealthy,
Lord, I read, God, I read yesterday that back in 2000, like 50%, no, back in 2000, the average church membership was about 150, 160. And today, the average is now down to about 60. Lord, your church in America seems to be dying. People aren't coming as faithfully. And Lord, maybe it's just because the nominal believers, those who weren't really believers, they're just kind of being purged out. They've just stopped, stopped playing the game and they're no longer even trying to identify with Jesus. But God, I believe you have a remnant. I believe you have a, a group of people who love you and are faithful and, and want to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. Lord, I believe that's Northside. What a blessed privilege it is to be here, to lead these people, to love these people, to serve along, alongside these people, to be their pastor, their elder, their overseer. Lord, continue to do great and mighty things through these people, we pray, for your glory and your honor, for the building up of Christ. May we build our life as we're about to sing upon you and your word and your promises. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're just going to worship one more time together in light of what we have just talked about and heard. The altar is always open. If you want to come and just kneel and pray here, take somebody by the hand. Let's just let the Spirit of God move in this place as we worship together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever Oh! 
the Lord. Amen. Come back tonight. If you already serve, come ready to serve. If you don't typically come on Sunday nights and you want to be equipped, we have an adult Bible study that meets, so you come and sit, study the Word of God, and be equipped to go do the work of ministry. Dennis, if you'll come, close us with a word of prayer. Lord, it is good to be in your house. Lord, be under sound preaching. Lord, we thank you for our pastor and his uh, desire to Preach the word as it's, as it's written, Lord, so that we might know what our responsibilities are. Lord, we thank you for our pastor and the way that he leads. Lord, I pray that you'd just help us to realize what our role should be as well, that we would uh, seek to support our pastor, uh, be involved in ministry, not just attending, but, Lord, to be involved. So, Lord, I pray that you just help us to 
to fill that responsibility that we have, that we would fill that responsibility. So, Lord, just guide us as we go through this week. Help us to see opportunities that you give us to uh, to spread the, the good news as we go uh, about our week. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.